Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod. Ankle Pickers, we are back a little bit later than usual, but we are still here. Uh, Country Club Kobe's in the house. How are we feeling, Kobe? I'm good. Thank you for the introduction today, Reese. You're welcome. I feel like, you know, you got to be high on life with the Malort bet. That one in a row for your boy. And we're going to get to the loser of that said Malort bet. Dank Wagers is as well in the building. How are you, Dan? What up? What up? We're doing all right. Just all right? Is it, Why just all right? You know, I'm coming off a red card going into the main event. I was green, uh, swung the other way in the, in the final round, which we'll get to. But um just all right, because I'm chomping at the bit to get back green, man. Okay, I, I feel that. So we'll start. We're going to recap quick. Then we got some Bellator to talk about. Danny owes two shots of none other than our sponsor, Jepson's Malort. And then we will break down this week's card. First things first, though. Ankle lock advances. Kobe. 14 and 2. Curtain jerker. Ulberg. Okay. It was first a good It was Olberg first round, disgusting left hook to ground strikes. Never in doubt, Dan. Honestly, a unique combo. The jab to the left hook with the same hand. He's very – and there's very few people who can double up like that, but that just shows how technical of a striker he really is. He is quite rangy. Yeah, he's good. He's good. So the reads the were right. The a problem. I mean, it, it was – it was a nightmare matchup for Negu Mariano. No, it was. He was a dead man walking, and luckily for us, the ankle pickers figured it out. So 47.8 units green. That's what I was going that ankle lock. Second place sitting around 33, 22 is third place. What did second place play last week? Um, I think they took a flyer on Esparza. They did. Wow. So continuing to move up the ladder for the boys, 14 and 2 is just a crazy run couple highlights that I wanted to mention um, the double knockout or knockdown in the first round, Mike Trezano, Sengu Choi, very rare sight. If you didn't see it, the fight only lasts around so you can enjoy it. Mike Trezano with the KO TKO. I did play a unit on Sengu Choi. Not mad about well. it. it just is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. I had some great bets. I had some bad bets and this one didn't really fall into either category for me. I, I, I thought there was a fun fight. Um, yeah. Well, one I tailed take you my medicine. One I tailed you in on Dan, Matt Frivola, the steamroller. Just vicious knockout of uh Ottoman Azatir. There's no way that's not bonus worthy country club. It wasn't, but wow. I also tailed. I love betting Frivola. Frivola's a beast. Did you love betting him against McKinney? Don't love think him. I bet him against McKinney. I also like betting McKinney, but I don't I think I stayed away from him. Um, Wow, it didn't get a bonus. Did and Trezano didn't? Did Olberg? I don't think there were any bonuses outside the main card. Wow. Okay. And, uh, and the pay per view points. Man, the rich get richer. Let's see. Okay, Aaron Blanchfield needs to be mentioned. Dan and I months ago, months ago said we're looking at this spot. I know we were lukewarm on it because of the price, 
I did parlay it. Um, none of the parlays came to fruition, which we will get to. <laughs> Fucking fraud. But Aaron Blanchfield, dude, is the most legit deal I think I've ever seen. Is this girl, like, going to win? Is, I mean, is she a title contender at 125? I think for sure. I don't think that there's another prospect that um, matches up against her. And I think that we learned a lot more in the Mara- in the Maverick fight than we did yeah. against McCann. But, yeah, to, to run through her like she did, one-sided action. Uh, I mean, it was dominant like a Hamzat fight. It was sheer that, – that's the best way to describe it. Sheer dominance like a Hamzat fight. I mean, a lot of time in the crucifix. Then the, the ref gave McCann all day to work out of it. Didn't matter. Just went straight to the Kimura. Almost broke her shoulder off. Yeah. I'm so happy McCann tapped. I've seen too many times in my career people not tap to that. I, I, I'll admit, I was looking away. I, I was fully yeah. doing like a... It's, it, if you want to see one, look at Frank Mir. Uh, I think it was Lil Nog. Oh, man. It's... it's ugh. But look, thankfully she tagged. Aaron Blanch- tapped. Aaron Blanchfield continues her, her run. Ryan's band, power jack, Dominic Reyes. This was sad, Dan. Not only was I on Dominic Reyes and busted a couple of the parlays, but what a fall from grace for this man. It, it's honestly sad to watch. I genuinely feel sadness. And it's crazy that you can chalk it up almost entirely to the Texas judges who had an all-time terrible performance that night, capped off with the, the judging in his main event. But since then, he's just not been the same mentally. And clearly now physically, these knockouts are adding up. Uh, it was a jab that put him away this time, and it was devastating. This is, like I said earlier when I mentioned, this was one of the bad bets. And what's more sad about this one, too, is, yeah, like kind of like you said, he took a year, about a year and a half off from his last, the spinning elbow knockout. And the chin clearly is just is not there after two straight knockouts. This will be the third straight knockout. So, you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to think about it. Uh, I, I just hope. I don't know what to hope. I don't know what to hope. But, I I, I mean, Ryan's band looks great. Commentary- it really is crazy to think, though, now three years ago that night in Houston, uh, how much potential he had. He was on the right side of 30, um, just put on a five-round incredible performance with who you and I both agree is probably the most skilled fighter to ever grace the octagon. Yeah. Um, and since then just has been a ghost. Yeah. And this is going to go down, I think is one of those MMA. What ifs, I mean, they happen throughout the, the history of the sport where one thing doesn't go right injury and then maybe another injury or whatever. And then you always wonder what could have been. And if those judges went that night for Dominic Reyes, who knows, are we talking about something completely different? Quite possibly. All right, Dan, pour your first Malort shot. I think it's only right to do it at the time of the problem. So this will come up again in news and notes. But Hineto Mocano subs Brad Riddell in the first round. Oh, boy. It was uh, the second. I'm not even going to lie, Dan. The second Moicano touched, like, got a hold of Brad Riddell, I knew it was over. Was like, but that wasn't, that wasn't so much the case. Riddell initiated the clinch. Riddell, I think, was winning the clinch exchanges and even won that first scramble. If he if he throws a hook in, he's on Moicano's back. It did seem a little bit weird in the way I'm not I'm not trying to imply anything by what I'm saying. It's weird. I'm saying that what we found out later about the mentality of Brad showed in that scramble. And I think that a position where he actually came out on top 
he gave up and that, that ended up being the beginning of the end for him. So um, still on the city kickboxing knob. Oh yeah. I, I'm, if, if you watched this event and your take was city kickboxing is not one of the more impressive gyms in terms of game planning, in terms of uh, training, in, in terms of training, uh, footwork and movement and um, just really exceptional striking for MMA. And then I don't know what to tell you. And, and, and if okay. you think that a guy in Brad Riddell, who, like we say all the time, was half in and half out entering this fight is like your em- emanation. Then we're going back to our argument about like Blood Diamond and Shane Young clouding the city kickboxing record. It's just not a conversation I want to have. We will get to that in the main event because I actually will go. I have an interesting take. Um, in the meantime, bottoms up, Dan. Yeah, in the meantime, bottoms up. So this is a Malort bet happens on the ankle pick pod quite often. And another one's in the books. Kobe bet when Adam O'Connor, Dan rode with his city kickboxing boy, Brad Riddell. I believe the wager was two shots of Jepson's Malort. First one down the hatch, Dan. Anything First one's coming. Uh, before I do it, I just want to say shout out to Jepson's Malort for sponsoring this podcast. Once again, week in, week out. They're sending Reese actually this Friday to Bellator. Uh, we'll touch on that a little bit later, but once again, shout out to Jepson's Malort. We say it all the time, but it's it's my favorite spirit. It's a grapefruit liqueur based out of Chicago, Illinois. It has the aroma and full-bodied flavor of an unusual botanical. Try it straight, like I'm about to do. Uh, take a shot and show off your Malort face. Its bitter taste is savored by two-fisted drinkers and two-fisted betters like myself. So here we go. Cheers to it. Cheers Adam to our Brown. audience. There it is. Dan loves it. He loves it. He's buzzing. I love it so much. Cheers, my <laughs> That needs to be clipped. Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> uh, it's, it's the, it, is, it is truly savored by people like me, two-fisted betters yep. and drinkers alike. And it's it's just the best thing to wager, too, because, you know, you're not going to lose friends over money. It's just the Lord bets are the way to go. A lot of sweat. I will say I, I did kind of see this one coming after our episode. Um if you go over to my betmma.tips page, I went four units on the other three city kickboxing players and uh, fighters and one um, X on Brad Riddell. I kind of mm-hmm. I kind of was soured on it before it went in. But I do think that we saw some great moments in that first round. And I do think that a fully determined Brad Riddell has a different performance. I'm not trying to not trying to take anything away from Moicano, who also fought incredibly and did his job. Well, casual Kobe beats out sharp dank wagers in this one. So another Malort bet almost in the book. Stan's going to have one more later. Speaking of the city kickboxing train, though, I do also want to mention the Dan Hooker performance because I'm going to say this is, and thank you, Dan, because I was not on this and I tailed it per everything you said. So again, it pays to listen. I guess in my case, it pays to show up to work. But I'm a guy, not to cut you off, but I'm a guy who has a decent read on Dan Hooker. couple of my biggest bets in the history of my betting career was Poirier against Hooker, was Hooker over Naz- Nazrat, um, and now also Hooker o- over Puelles. I-, I think that I'm a guy who's got a decent read on what Dan Hooker's capable of, what I his would argue, level is. I would argue that this was more of a read for you on, on, the, la- on, on the opposition. I, what really took me was your read on, on Claudio Puelles, because what I've seen from a lot of MMA fans or media sources or what have you is how shocked they were by Puelles' performance less by how impressed they were with Dan Hooker. Um, And you really mapped out 
his game plan, what it's going to look like, how it's going to happen. And I wrote hooker, thankfully. So, so I don't know where this is far. I mean, Poilus is young, but this is a really red, real, real red flag because you never want to see someone who's so one dimensional and then someone show the map to beating that one dimension. I mean, he was looking like a Ryan Hall out there. And, yeah, and honestly, I'm not, I think a Ryan Hall guy is a much more dangerous fighter. Yeah. It's, 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 it's wild, but th- this one would be a notch in that cap for you about the city kickboxing game planning and preparation. Dan Hooker looked the part. Kobe still no bonuses. Wow. Frank Yeager send off. Got to mention it. Chris Gutierrez with a KO knee up the middle. This was the second bit of sadness I felt this evening. The first was Dom Reyes. This was the second. Um, I'm a little pissed at the UFC, gentlemen, because I don't know why they gave Frank Yeager an absolute killer in his retirement fight. Everyone knows it's his retirement fight. Frankie knows it's his retirement fight. Give him another old vet. Give him a, I mean, who, who's an who's a uh, older guy at 135? I don't know. Nick Lance, is he 45? But like, give him someone that, that, won't be as lethal as Chris Gutierrez. So gruesome knockout to send Frankie off. Um, sad, but I have no doubt that whatever Frankie pursues next will be nothing but successful. Definitely. Yeah. Sad to see him go out like that in front of his kids, but I'm one of his biggest fans and I won't stop this. I mean, we, this, we said it in the episode, this was something that we kind of expected uh, just given that how his last couple fights ended, he's taken some brutal, 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 fight ending damage uh, I know but this one just felt because it was his send-off at least in the other ones I think Frankie still had aspirations of like maybe trying to get back to that title spot or whatever this I one don't know felt- I I maybe I've soured I've been sour on him since we started this podcast because uh I mean I'm talking all this smack about myself or whatever uh inflating my ego about my success in big bets with Dan Hooker, I had a really bad loss at the beginning of our podcast betting against Frankie Edward, Pedro, Pedro Munoz, a fight that I thought the judges got wrong. And so I think I've been sour on Frankie really since that fight, um, a fight where I didn't have any expectations. I didn't think he delivered. And since then, he's kind of just been a punching bag. But like, for example, like they gave him Chris Gutierrez. How much better of a fight would Frankie Edgar versus maybe Rafael Asuncao? I mean, how much better would that be? Two legends that would most likely give a hard-fought decision rather than just a gruesome KO. I mean, half a The thing is, it, it just the reason that they did it is it does nothing for the UFC. Uh, this gives Gutierrez a, a name of a legend on his belt, a former champion, and a legend, and and now we're now we're <laughs> yeah now now we're hyping up a Chris Gutierrez. Um, for really just doing his job. But I guess that's my point is it shows that the UFC, a guy like Frank Yeager gave them literally everything he had and they sent him out. <laughs> I, I just limp, <laughs> but uh, whatever. Anyways, good send off to Frankie. I wish him nothing but the best. Great performance. Chris Gutierrez. Kobe, that had to be okay. No, no not Gutierrez. I thought you were saying the next one. No, so now we've narrowed down everything. Okay, wow, the rich really do get richer. Are they are they still doing those crypto bonuses even with this FTX? Plan? No, no, no shot. 
Yeah, okay. I was about to say, because it would just be these three. Um, Dustin Poirier defeated Michael Chandler in an absolute war, and I'm assuming this is fight of the night, not performance yep. of the night. Yep. Fight of the year, of, maybe. Yeah, a lot of bloodshed. For you, before we really get into the X's and O's, where does that rank for you um, in terms of, like, the Hamza Gilbert Burns and the Jiri Glover? And um, definitely right there. I mean, it's a fight that I'm excited to rewatch. I know that it's going to be one of those that are going to be on that like late night. Oh, I need something to watch, flip it on, watch it back. It's a phenomenal one. It's definitely going to be a, a, one of the finalists for fight of the year come awards time. And what was nice is it was not a one-sided war. It was very back and forth until, until it wasn't. Um, yeah. That, that kind of brings me to my next question. How did you score that first round? Because yeah, I'm going to be honest, in the moment, I thought that Chandler had done enough to win the majority of the round decisively, hurting uh, Poirier. And I didn't think that Poirier stole it with his flurry at the end, oh, even though see, he I, dropped Chandler. So I did have it 1-1 going into the third. I, I was know. a little bit I was a little bit excited. I thought that there was a chance that uh, we were having Chandler up 2-0, even though he looked almost dead at the end of the first and almost like the save by the, the bell judges have the judges scorecards like do you know what it is did anyone yeah, all three judges gave it to Poirier mm. which I I didn't disagree with it, it's kind of your textbook stealing of a round right. I just thought I, I I had given it to Chandler in the moment yeah I also know just from live betting odds that Vegas made it seem as if Poirier won because and again it definitely played a factor how uh Chandler looked at the end of the first, but Poirier was minus like 600 or something live going into the second, which is crazy. That um, second round was an all time performance. I, I don't want to look past that. I know no, there was a lot of like be, funny yeah. business in, in terms of fish hooking and blood spitting. Yeah. And fucking yeah. The, the, who the fuck knows, but all time shout out to Chandler for that second round when everyone in the building, everyone at home thought he was dead on the mat and had to be picked up by his teammates. And he goes in and decisively wins that round. I, ha- I saw some people calling it a 10-8. Wouldn't, I wouldn't complain about a 10-8, to be honest. And, and the thing is, too, about Chandler that's kind of impressive is it's, it's not exactly the same because he's a showman and he's on the tail end of his career. But he also is a couple split seconds away from having a completely different career trajectory. Um, if you talk the Oliveira fight, he was winning till he wasn't. Um, he had he's a- had moments where he was about to win every single UFC yeah. fight. He's went, he's, he was seconds away from winning the belt from Oliveira. He was seconds away from knocking out Gaethje in, a, yep. in another fight that we probably should have mentioned uh, in the fight of the year. Was that 2021? That was November that was last year. Yeah. Um, and then again, he had the rear naked choke on Dustin. He could have subbed Dustin around earlier than Dustin exactly. subbed him. And that's what's so wild is there's a chance where in an alternate universe, he – Gets the KO over Oliveira. Gaethje's his first defense. You know, Poirier might be his second. But, you know, a couple quick seconds there. Change the fates. But, again, Michael Chandler clearly belongs. I don't think he's on the chopping block. He's as entertaining as they come. And Poirier continues to advance his legacy. Last comment. Last comment. Shout out to Dustin Poirier for doing what Charles Oliveira didn't, submitting Chandler from a backpack position. Oliveira had Chandler backpacked in that first round in Houston. And that's not talked about enough. A dry Charles Oliveira couldn't finish Michael Chandler with a, with a body triangle having him completely backpacked. Poirier is better jits. All right. No, I'm just kidding. 
we say all the time we say all the time that either. mma math doesn't exist and i won't i will never say no. that poirier is better just than charles Oliveira, but it's it's funny to think about no it's not it makes me feel like i need to be put into an institution whaley zang gets her title back against carlos farza and this is the epitome in my opinion of mma math just being fraudulent i mean whaley zang loses to rose twice rose loses to carla twice Carla now loses to Zhang. What the, what the fuck? I mean, what, who's next at strawweight? I don't even fucking know. I mean, it was, uh, Carla clearly didn't belong. And Whaley Zhang is clearly more physically dominant and stronger than everyone else at 115. Yeah, I don't disagree. And honestly, I think that this opens the door for Amanda Lemos to kind of slide in and get a title opportunity. But how? Lemos just got bodied by Andrade two fights ago. And, and Andrade, Andrade, Andrade has a fight scheduled, and she's just not going to be the next title. It, it, the, the schedules don't work out. I think Andrade is scheduled, yeah, in late January. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't imagine Wei Lee's going to be on the shelf for a while, but, you know, Thug Rose... Are they really going to run that back a third time? Probably eventually, maybe similar to like a Holloway bulk type situation. But yeah, Lemos is right there. Um, I mean, they're running back Moreno Figgy four. So I mean, at this point, they'll do every rematch. You know what other fights kind of? Paying. You know what other fight kind of intrigues me without going too far down the rabbit hole would be uh, Zhao Nanyan. Chinese. And that one intrigues Chinese. me. Mackenzie Dern intrigues me. I'm not yeah. trying to say that any. It, it's fun. It's this is yeah. a really fun women's division, which. Uh, I just don't think that we have in, in flyweight and in bantamweight. And but nonetheless, but, very, very dominant performance from Whaley. Um, I'll and, bet the next time we see her is in on some sort of Chinese pay-per-view card, and it'll be before next July. Okay. Put a pin in that one. Write that in the predictions from our – from our, I don't even know what you know. If Andrade smashes Lucky Matt's Lucky up. Lauren Murphy, that timeline matches up. Yeah, but Andrade already got worked over. But yeah, I mean, deem it as a fluke. Okay, I mean, this is what everyone's here to hear the thoughts on Dan, and this is something I want to bring to the to the real team. quick. We missed fifty k to Whaley, Whaley, and also fifty k to Pajeda while we're here. Fifty k to okay, so. I'm gonna let you unload the clip. Get get on. I'm gonna unload the clip because it's much takes. necessary. It's necessary. So everyone who listens to the pod, especially from the beginning, knows that I've been calling Israel Adesanya a fraud from day one. Um, I faded him against uh, Blahovich, which was awesome. The only problem was I faded him against Whitaker twice, Yoel Romero, Paulo Costa, Marvin Vittori, and Jared Cannonier. He's put together some of the most boring fights the division has ever seen. And he was being compared to people, the likes of Anderson Silva. There's a lot of people who dick ride him. Um, and and here's, here's the sad truth. Is Israel Adesanya more talented than I give him credit for? Yes. But is he overrated by every, or almost everyone else? I also want to say yes. And when I saw this fight, I see a lot of people saying, Alex Pereira got a lucky shot. Oh, no, 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 no. Or, or uh, that's the that's the first time or, I'm gonna pause you because there's or, nothing or, lucky about that. Or, or a comeback victory. Yes, what I, that that's the truth. 
Like so they, it is on the he score was down cards. on the scorecards. However, if you rewatch the fight back, which I've had the opportunity to once, you will see the adjustments Alex Prayer makes throughout round three and into round four that sets up round five for the ability to get the finish. Now, I don't want to knock City Kickboxing acting like they got outcoached. And I don't want to say Israel Adesanya can never beat Alex Prayer because I think that if you ran this fight 100 times, Izzy wins 40. Or maybe even 50. I don't even know. But it's hard to say Izzy's all this and all that for beating up on guys who can't really strike and can't really wrestle. When a guy like Alex Pereira, who has six MMA fights, decides to just come in here and dethrone you like that. Um, I think that's a pretty cheap way to present it, if I'm going to be honest. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. I, I, think because- that, I don't think that you're obviously I know that you know it and I know that you're respecting the skill level that Alex has in terms of striking, but when you present it, like he's some green fighter that came out of nowhere and all of a sudden he's dethroning the champ. Yeah. And then, and if you go back to last week's episode, I said that the KO uh, in kickboxing, not lucky saying the same thing about the KO in MMA. And I said that when I was betting on Izzy, a knockout was in the cards, it's something that I, I'm sitting a here and I'm not shocked. I'm not saying it was a problem. Or a obviously it's a problem fighter. that lost. He lost. But we have said time and time again on this podcast, there's levels this, there's levels this, there's levels this. I genuinely believe that a guy like Robert Whitaker, maybe even Marvin Vittori, um, have a better chance against Alex Pereira because of the fact that if he has I don't know that, how you can say better chance in the sense that is like, I, I just don't I don't see this fight and I've watched the fight multiple times as well I don't see that fight as Izzy got exposed or is we learned something new four, about how to beat Izzy round do you four, think that there's a thing that any other mixed martial artist in the world was can, the most fish out of water I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing on the mat I've ever seen out of two component two two opponents they both didn't know what to do. And what I'm telling you, or what I'm asking you, is do you think that any single mixed martial artist in the world watched Saturday night's fight and thought, I have a better chance or I learned an advantage of how to beat Izzy because someone else figured it out? No. But I do think... Robert Whitaker was sitting on his couch and was like, I have a better chance against prayer than I do. He had, he had some funny comments um, in the whatever Perth. Uh, it was some, some kind of preliminary press conference with him and Volk saying just like, yeah, I do think I have a better shot against Pereira yeah, than Izzy I did. But uh, do you see how fucking big he is? Like no one's and- looking past this guy. No one's, no one's t- calling him like some inexperienced six, six fight fighter this was something that the majority of smart ufc experienced watchers betters whatever you want to say knew was a possibility knew was probably one of the more likely outcomes of the fight if alex Pereira was going to win it was going to be by a left hook and he was going to knock izzy out cold i think that we saw izzy perform really well until he didn't and i think that it was 
really, really, and I cannot say this enough, impressive performance from Alex Pereira to chop at that leg, to, to dig at the body and really open up the defense that is so tight. And like you said, boring and has been boring and systematically dominant over this middleweight division. And I'm not trying to sit here and say that he's some legend or dick ride or whatever you want to call it. But I do want to put respect on what is he was as a champion, which was game active, open to fight anyone who was there uh, and, and honestly embodied everything that I wanted as a champion. And so other, I, I'm still going to be an Izzy fan. I never once said he was unbeatable. I think you can even pull footage of the Paulo fight. And I was saying he can get knocked out, but everything that he's done and everything that he's continued to do um, has, has been an exceptional champion in my eyes. Two quick, quick things I want to add, but I don't want a bunch of follow-up, just quick tidbits. So we can move on. Uh, early stoppage is being called a lot. Uh, not, I'm not in my camp. Right? Not it's, in it's, camp. You're okay. With I it? think that, if he if it doesn't get stopped in that point in time, two more lands and we get a flat lined Izzy and it could possibly change his life, career, whatever you want to say. I'm so fine with the stoppage. Izzy was eating big shots from one of the most powerful punchers in the world. That's interesting because I was lukewarm on it, but I know there's a lot of fighters who spoke out saying you got to let a guy in a championship spot go out. Um, but I do I, think I, if you if you play that out like five six years ago, it doesn't get stopped. But no, I like the doesn't. stoppage for the sport of MMA. I, I think that it was appropriate. Okay. And the other thing, too, that's important to remember is um, Izzy's not some – I mean, at 33, he still has a lot of tread on those wheels. Don't – yeah, don't let him go out like a, like a light. So, unfortunately, Israel Adesanya loses the belt. The one time I back him, literally the one time I back him, he loses. So – uh, I'm the opposite of Dan with Dan Hooker. I just cannot bet Israel Adesanya to save my life. Um, Kobe, I think I was, you can... I was screaming so loud at my TV. Defense, footwork, defense, footwork. And I'm not talking about the fifth round. I was screaming yeah. for maybe 20, 25 minutes. That that we we knew that, or not we knew, but watching the first round, watching the second round, that's how the fight was going. Is he was trapping himself on the cage and escaping. And he was escaping really well for 22 minutes. And speaking of 22 minutes, we're about 30 minutes into the pod. We're going to jump to news and notes. Okay. One thing too, by the way, um, uh, Alex Pereira did look absolutely massive in there. Like it looked like a different way. I kind of can't believe that he can keep making middleweight, but yeah, that, that, that was another thing that I wanted to give props. He also struggled on the scale too. Yeah, he did. But that's a props I wanted to give Izzy to is because when they were standing next to each other, you could see a dramatic size difference. Probably 15 and Izzy's pounds. a big middleweight. You see him right. stand next to Robert Whitaker, and you're like, how the fuck does Izzy make middleweight? Right. And so to think that Alex also does is ridiculous. But I wanted to add that, too, as, as me giving an homage, not an homage, but a, a compliment to Izzy that he stood in there with a the guy who was significantly bigger and really went toe-to-toe with him. So... Okay, now take it because, yeah, this is going way longer than we and had him on the ropes. Um, we mentioned it briefly, but while we're still on 281, Brad Riddell, Instagram post, post fight, it, he's going to step aside for a little bit of time at least. Um, that sounds yep. like it's my cue. Dan. Yep. Number two. Second, second Malort shot. Anything else you want to add to Brad Riddell? I know we covered it. 
Um, well, I didn't hear this news. Um, did he come out and say exactly what the problem was? Like, did he say, I am kind of just said that he's been a little, he, he's, hasn't he said been that he's been like mentally, he yeah. He said he's been mentally removed for the past couple of fights, and he thought that uh, he'd get that spark back and, with like a big adrenaline Madison Square Garden moment, um, and just really didn't feel it this whole camp, and just was never, never really into it. But, but I will use this moment every year of his career for the last I don't know 16, 18 years, and the goal would not to be retiring, but to find a way to get the spark back. Yeah, I mean, so it happens to everybody. I mean, it's really hard to not get fatigued when you, I mean, especially because he's, you know, in Thailand being the head coach. I, I imagine it gets daunting, but um, okay. Well, I wish him nothing but the best. Obviously, an exciting fighter always. So we have a pink slip for Silvana Gomez Suarez after her loss to Carolina Kowalkiewicz. Hmm. That seems a little premature. Yeah. Um, real quick, Izzy, before or real quick, Reese, before we move away from 281 completely, I, I got to do my last Malort shot for yeah. Riddell. And I do want to ask one question while I do this face. Mm-hmm. Um, you've said a lot of words specifically about Izzy called him a fraud. How do you line a potential rematch? Prayer minus 150. That's what I think about your line. What do you say to that? That's a fucking shitty line. I think line. Izzy still has to be a favorite. He was oh, minus 1,300. Oh, that's a shitty line. He's 0-3. Mm. He you was see minus my face? 1,300 that's how bad your four, fucking after line four is. rounds. He's 0-3. Up 39-37 scorecards and minus 1,300. He's 0-3. Dude, your line is disgusting. What do you set it at, Dan? Look at my Malort face. Not bad. Malort. It's not so bad of a line. I do have Izzy as the favorite. Izzy, Izzy will be minus 150, minus 160. That's crazy. He's lost all three times. And and if you break it down, he's one. We're not doing no, we're not breaking all right. No, all right. We're keeping it moving here. I'm way. cutting you eyes off. All right. Um Reese, you gotta watch Izzy's those fight, kickboxing Dana, fights. Post Izzy's fight, Dana, uh-huh. as usual, had a little post-game presser. Um, two specific quotes I want to bring up. Um, Hamza and Colby being quote worked on. That'd be an all-time fun one. Hope that one comes to fruition. I didn't think Hamzat still had a dream at 170. Well, it's being that's my, that's my takeaway from that. Yeah, the door's open at 185. Oh. Just go smash Pereira. He would smash Pereira, if we're being honest. What's that line? Hamzat minus 450. More. It's a dude, crazy, crazy dude, number. More, honestly. It's way more than 250. That's a crazy number. We've never seen him fight a ranked 185-er. Doesn't matter. He would smash him. Um, the other Dana, Dana quote was, this is the whole thing is quote, John Jones will fight in 2023. And I kind of hate continuing <laughs> to get this. Like, I feel like I've been the boy. All I want to say, all I want to say is from someone who's been following the sword for a very long time, Dana's up there as like of these figureheads who just – blow smoke out his own ass i i i would not take that word from dana and be like it's happening you know what i mean there's so many times where he says shit is john even in the usada pool anything so, all right then keeping it moving is john uh, even in the usada testing pool at this point i don't think he is i don't know i remember at one point he wasn't but i'm 
I don't know. If I had to guess, I would guess that he is back in it, but who knows? How can you be back in it when you're always cheating? You With that, talk. we have some fights to announce. Um, most of them are on the UFC 284 Perth pay-per-view card, February 11th. Um, Jimmy Crute and Alonzo Menafield. Banger. Jimmy Crute's no been reaction. Well, I mean, Jimmy Crute's been AWOL for a while, but I think... I know, it'll be good to see him back, back in there. It makes sense that he's on the Perth card. Um, another one that makes sense on the Perth card, Kai Car France and Alex Perez booked. That's a sweet one. That should be a main carter. Um, the co-main on the February 11th. Sorry, not to move past that real quick. What do you think the path is for either of them to get back to a title shot? Because neither looked good at all. Well, and, and have Perez since. Was, yeah, or Alex Perez was injury in his title chance. He got hurt, right? Did his shoulder dislocate or something? He hasn't I looked good. He just got subbed real quick. I don't know. I, I think that there's a there's kind of a line, you know. I mean, Pantoja's at the peak. Um, it's it's just a, a tough spot for either guy to be. Title fight that's not Figueroa versus Moreno. What'd you say? You think we're ever going to see a title fight that's not Figueroa? I don't know because what happens if Moreno wins this? Do they run back to fifth? Like honestly, they might. They have to. And, and like it's so it's so they're, they're stuck in a hole. I don't even want to mm-hmm. think about it. I feel so bad for Pantoja. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Especially because he's beaten both of these guys. <laughs> Co-main and main event for that 284 Perth card were both announced. Josh Emmett and Yair Rodriguez booked as an interim Ain't flyweight that. title matchup. Arnold really Allen got, interesting. Arnold Allen got fucked. That's all I'll say about that. I agree. Yair yeah. Rodriguez got wrecked by Max Holloway. Josh Emmett lost his fight to Calvin Cater, in my opinion. And now we got a guy like Arnold Allen who's actually like, I think he's undefeated in the UFC. And he's just, nah, we don't want him. Ridiculous. I agree with you. And I almost think that Arnold would be favored over both. He would. Rightfully so, too. Yeah, he is a tough, tough cookie. No. I mean, he is. But you watched, I mean, Max Holloway, it was more of a war than the price was lined. But Max Holloway beat his ass. I was on Max, I think, in part of parlays, or I, I definitely had some stake in him. Yair was dangerous, though. Yeah, yeah, no, Yair's dangerous. He's a phenomenal striker. Like, I don't want that to get twisted. I'm just saying Max Holloway is favored against both those guys, too. And you know what? That should show you how dangerous a guy like Frankie Edgar used to be because he smoked Yair. No, Frankie's that guy. I'm telling you. Frankie was him. He was him. Last fight to announce, I know we've talked about, and I don't even know if we've officially announced it on the pod, but Islam versus Volk is the main event of that 284 card, officially lightweight title on the line. I also want to mention something. This might be the the fight I'm most, the individual fight I'm most excited for in the last matchup I never knew I needed. I do want to mention something. Um, In my fight night party, I was watching with the pay-per-view, Someone looked up the future line on best fight odds, and then I proceeded to screenshot it and post it because I knew it, and I wasn't going to put it into the game. Um, have either of you seen my tweet that I sent from Ankle Pick Pod? You, would you like to guess the line quick, Dan? Because we can't put it in the game because I someone spoiled it for me without knowing. Islam's favored. He's got the size. He's got the name. He's got – I mean, Volk's just never gotten Volk's got he the deserved. 
Volk's never got the respect he deserved. He's, he's number one, 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 one bound for bound. Even so, Vegas is It took never, him too long to get ever. there, but he's also going up in weight. Islam will be favored, but Volk has the name. I'm not talking about the UFC. I'm talking about in Holloway 3, a guy he beat twice. He still had a one in front of his name in his most recent fight as the best fighter in the world. That's the respect, the disrespect that I'm talking about. Okay, and so... And so Islam is going to be a significant favor here. I think that there's probably a small two in front of it. I'm going to go it two is a. It is a... Kobe, would you like to guess? I'll take over Dan. It is over Dan. It is a medium three. I think he was minus like three. That's fucking nuts. Yeah. Um, 210 is even I, I let it with being this is disrespectful the only thing I want to add about that Islam has some of the most disgustingly horrible stand-up in the world and so come on it is it's horrible for a for a belt holder maybe no 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 it's bad it's okay. bad I piece him up on the feet 10 9 10 9 you want to have, can we have a, I know this episode is long and I'm sorry, listeners, but you want to have a cool moment for a second. A year ago, we were talking that the champions across the board might've been the best in terms of skill level that I had ever seen. And I think that we've got some of the most beatable champions around right yeah, now. Yeah. Cause they, they all pulled up these crazy upsets again. I mean, Leon, ridiculous. Pereira, ridiculous. Yuri was losing all four rounds of Glover. Ridiculous. We've got one-dimensional champions. We've got yeah. it's 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 wild. It's it's it a little wild. bit wild. It is wild. It's a great time to be an up-and-comer. But I do think 55 and 45 are going to be stuck for a while. I don't see anyone beating either of those two gentlemen, the ones we just named. So, like for example, the Yair Josh Emmett is just a means to an end. If we're being real, I mean, it's just a, a winner until Volk can come down and kick their ass. That's really, that's all it really is, which is fine. But uh, you know, you know, I, I kind of love it the more I think about it. And I obviously they screwed Arnold Allen, but like you said, none of these guys have a shot. The division is as good as really any. I think that maybe Bantamweight might be better in my personal opinion than Featherweight. But I think there's so much skill level. I'd love some complication with some interim belts. Like, give me five fucking belt holders at in, at 145 make every title yep. an interim title that was just so mental we need to transition keep going with the news and notes kobe if there that's is. it let's okay. get on to bellator so bellator so i ankle pick rp am headed to bellator 288 this weekend in chicago my backyard and i'm, I, I'm excited the the headline is uh the memkov Corey anderson um for the light heavyweight championship and the co-main event is Patricky Pitbull versus Usman Nuragamedov which is also just a insane fight um there there I mean Tyrell Fortune I'm excited to see he's an Olympic level wrestler um and there's a lot of other people mixed in up and down the card that's going to be exciting but when you look at a, a main event a co-main event and even a co-co-main event we have a card. I mean, we have ourselves a card. So if you, well, I guess I want to do two things. If you're a listener um, and you have a question you want to ask these gentlemen, or there's some sort of info you want to know, reach out to us at ankle pick pod on Twitter. Um, 
ankle pick pod on TikTok, ankle pick pod on Instagram. And I will do my best to get that question asked and hopefully answered for you. So that's exciting. But the other thing too, and, and this is directed towards just dank wagers, no offense, country club, but Dan, are there any spots you're liking? Um, I know you said you were going to try to tape Nemkov Anderson one before the DQ happened. Um, really quickly, a couple lines here. Uh, Usman Nurmagomedov is minus a whopping 660. And Corey Anderson's actually minus 230 here. That's um, the other way around. Oh, yeah, yeah, Corey Anderson. Oh, he's minus 230. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no I, I know, I'm not, I, that was, that was a brain error. That's and in the, the spot first that I fight, like. In the first fight, Nemkov was minus 180. Um, he was getting work, though, until the eye poke. But yeah, um, Vegas learned a lot. I learned a lot. I think there's even value at that 230. Corey Anderson's about to roll. Oh, I love Nemkov, but that's a that's a great take. Um, yeah, I mean, Tyrell Fortune's minus 300. I'm excited to see his wrestling. Um, Daniel uh, Weichel, Wichel, he, it's German. I, I don't even know how to pronounce it but he's he's a long-term vet and he's taken on Timur Kurziev uh an undefeated Russian at 15 and 0 so it's gonna be exciting it's uh Timur is I think the younger brother of Ali Ashkov Kizriev who's the UFC fighter Kizriev, um, that's right yeah, yeah bo- both guys fun young prospects the, the yeah and Timur's undefeated and and what's so fun is there's going to be a lot of famous people in the building um, there's going to be uh, Habib, um, me, um, Pipples Camp. It's going to be a great time in the building. A lot of, I mean, those three people alone are just crazy. So, um, Captain Eric, you got it. You got to make sure you introduce yourself to Captain Eric Albarracin. I'm going to introduce. I'm going to introduce myself to everybody. Ben Bain Davis. I'm going to go shake your hand. Hopefully, you're there. Um, it'll be fun. It's going to be a great time. I'm going. I can stag. send Ben a text. I can find out. Yeah, feel free. Yeah, so I'm going stag anyways, but it'll be a fun time. So if you have any Bellator questions, reach out. All the footage will be posted on our YouTube channel. Um, I'll break some stuff up on TikTok as well. And then uh, I know Danny's going to be a menace with the footage as well. So a lot of footage from Bellator 288. Get your questions asked and answered. It's going to be a great time. I'm beyond excited to go. I just wish my gruesome twosome dank wagers could also be in attendance, but it was a it was a last minute shimming um but it'll be a good time and i I expect to see two and news then two and news is the prediction i love it i also am expecting um maybe a new banner picture of me and team habib no i I, i'm i you got because it's work so i can't ask for that kind of stuff but wouldn't that be nice um okay I, I, is there anything you want to add? Is there anything you're riding other than potentially Corey Anderson? No, That's it'll be a fun fight spot. though. Tune in. Um, it, it, I, they do all the prelims on YouTube. So it's free to watch. And then the main card is always on Showtime. So if you have Showtime, turn it on. It's awesome. I have Showtime for movies and shit. So, well, Bellator and then the movies are secondary, but it'll be a great time. I'm excited to be in the building. Get them questions asked. Uh, footage will be posted accordingly. Okay, now let's get on. What's up? Then Saturday, UFC Vegas. I have a crazy, I have a weird day. I have a weird day. Um, And there was a sports card show in Rosemont for those, for you two gentlemen. It's another suburb of Chicago that I was going to go to. But as Kobe mentioned last week, this is an early 
card. Noon Central Time. Noon prelims. 3 p.m. Central Time main noon card. Noon Central Time. I will be asleep like a baby by eight o'clock on Saturday. Back in the Fox Sports One era, I want everyone to listen to this. Back in the Fox and the Fox Sports One era, I was going to bed at like 1:30, hopped up on dew, couldn't drink yet. It was fucking awesome. Now, and for those that aren't on YouTube, Reese is still drinking. He's still hopped up on the yep. dew. It's just, but it, now it's, it's adult dew. I'm drinking Mountain Hard Dew, five percent alcohol. Um, it's basically a little kid's dream when you turn an alcoholic as an adult. It's incredible. something's never changed. The Mountain Dew and UFC, the Baja Blast. Honestly, could if this was available for me when I was younger, I could see me get dying of alcohol poisoning on accident. It tastes identical. Um, all right, Kobe, stop giving me that face. I know we're running long. We're having a good time here. We're having a good time here. Dan's got a couple more shots in his belly, washing it back with a brewski. I got a couple dudes in me. Co- also, rock one more, just just for like shits you and gigs. Dude, they sponsor us. It'd be great. Get a, get another one down that goalie. Look at that, I want to give a big shout-out to Jepsons Malort. I know that we talk about them every episode, and they, they ask us to talk about them every episode. Yeah, you know do. what? You know what? I would talk about them regardless mm-hmm. because that's how much they mean to me as a two-fisted drinker, a two-fisted better. I am one of the, the Don't say botanical again and drink it. <laughs> the other thing, too, for all the listeners out there, uh, Kobe, Country Club, decided to take a week off drinking. And so he's missing out on the fun. He he thinks he thinks his liver's gonna recover. It won't. It won't. But he's taking a week off. No bending the rules for the ankle pickers. I asked him to just go sober from Friday to Thursday. He declined. So Mr. Marathon Runner over there. Oh, someone mentioned a marathon. <laughs> for this one, we are really off the rails here. For this one, I'm gonna cheers with my boy Francis. There you go. Francis is a two-fisted drinker. All right. Francis is a two-fisted drinker. Drop it back, man. We got to tag Malort in these. We're going to post all the Malort shots tag. Look at that. Look at that botanical. Look at that Malort face. Look at that Malort face botanical. All right. Uh, No, it's like I heard your bet for your line for Izzy. Yeah. yeah, Two. Five. Fuck. Whatever. Well, if you can pick up Malort, do it. Try it so you understand what's going on here. All right. Let's get let's get into this card. Spivak Lewis starts at noon central. It is in Vegas. Uh, Kobe, Vegas, what? Do you even know? 65. Wow. Kobe knows how to count. Incredible. I don't know how to count. I lost track in like in the 30s. Um, all right, let's get after it. So, Dan, I'm not familiar with this one, so I hope you are. Uh, Natila Silva versus Teresa. Baleda, she just got signed. Natalia, that's not like a screwdriver of a name. Natalia, no, it is. There's a tilde over it, fucker. Um, fuck. Sorry, everybody. Hold on. Odds are scrambled. Where the hell is this card? Okay, Bellator. I'm only seeing Bellator. A lot of cards this week. A lot of cards. Okay, Nat Nat Natalia Silvia is minus one sixty five. Baleda. Teresa. Teresa Baleta is plus 140. Lined opened at uh, the other one. It was actually, whoa. Uh, Teresa Baleta, minus 120. Silva plus uh, 100. Dan, do you have a read on this? Are you with the Sharps here? Are you on the side of Silva? I got nothing for you. Yeah, I mean, I'm leaning towards the Silva side. Um, quick shout out to Teresa. Country Club and I, if you track us all the way back to like the 1690s, we're Czech as well. 
But um, they'll be yelling Poha in this one. Nothing about um, Prague or whatnot. Um, Pleda, from what I saw in her contender series, was the only thing that I taped. She's strong. She seems like a decent wrestler, but doesn't seem super dynamic. I think Silva will have a speed advantage, probably a volume advantage, too, if the fight stays standing. And um, I don't know this for a fact, but being Brazilian, I expect her to have all right jujitsu. I'm not I'm not playing this. I'm just trying to give you everything I know. Yeah. I, so, Dan, I actually couldn't take anything away from the contender series because of the kind of just held her there. Yeah. And she was minus 600. So, like, I I didn't really even bother watching it. I didn't think that I would have a spot here. So I I ignored it. It sounds like you don't really see a spot either. Um, so we'll not chopping at the bit. Yeah. yeah, but, 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 but women's dogs, Kobe, was there an update from last week's women's dogs? Do you have it? I know it's so three women's fights last week, only one of which fell in the range. We had two favorites minus three fifty or greater. Okay. And Whaley and Aaron Blanchfield, Silvana Gomez Suarez was wow. favored over Carolina. Oh, she was favored. Right. Carolina cash plus one Oh five is the closing line there. I would um, take 48.45 units green on the year. Okay. So if so, you're following the women's dog system, this will apply and it'll have you on uh, Bleda. But also if you're following the ankle lock and the women's dog system, you're about a hundred units green this year. I just got an erection. Um, Fernie Garcia is taking on Brady Highstad. Brady Highstad, somewhat of a household name, given the fact that he was on the ultimate fighter. Um, he was actually like a finalist. Brady Highstad finds himself at minus 170 here. Fernie Garcia plus 145. Highstead opened at minus 135 and has seen all the action. This wasn't steep. Um, this has been consistent action and movement on the side of Highstead. So uh, a lot of money's coming in and following on Highstead uh, here against Fernie Garcia. I mean, Dan, the way I look at Highstead especially, he's extremely young, 23, younger than us. He does train with Michael Chiesa, though. Um, yeah, that sick jiu-jitsu camp, I, I yeah. did want to mention. I had that in my notes because that kind of embodies his fight style. He is he is a grinder. He likes to lean on that grappling, the sick jiu-jitsu. If, you, if you're unfamiliar, think about a Michael Chiesa fight style. Um, or even, even like a Juliana Pena is a sick jiu-jitsu. Yeah, fighter. she's there too. She's in that camp too. And so the other thing is his losses – in the UFC are, or in MMA or to Chad and Hellinger, who is a UFC veteran. And then Ricky Tercios in the ultimate fighter championship. So his resume is somewhat impressive for being 23. Bernie Garcia, on the other hand, he's was on the contender series, uh, a great knockout over. Uh, Joshua. Also shout out to that Chad. Before we move on that Chad yeah. and Hellinger fight. Was Brady on short notice accepting a title fight against one of the most well-known Canadian mixed martial artists in a Canadian event as the as the main event? And he fucking held his own. I know that he got knocked out, but as like a 20-year-old kid coming into enemy territory in a fight that you know that everyone in the building is going to be against you and hoping that you get knocked out, he fucking held his own. Also, I found out recently that apparently he had his torn ACL for the entirety of the tough season. And still performed as he did, and still kind of, and still kind of jumped off the screen is probably the top prospect of everyone there, um, including the battles and the Trayshawn Gores and the Ricky Tercios, and that's with, that was with one leg, and so now he's he's got that replaced. He's now fully healthy. Um, I do see a ton of potential, like you said. He's young. He's got the grappling. He is a tenacious fighter. Um, Fernie has struggled 
with grapplers in the past. It's tough because Brady has all the potential to be a great wrestler. I'm not confident to tell you he's right now a great wrestler and can emulate just a great wrestling game plan to stifle Fernie. But if he can, this will be an easy victory for him. See, I kind of think he might be able to. And the Journey Newsom fight for Fernie Garcia is what tipped me to seeing Brady Hindsett having that potential success, um, especially with, like we mentioned, the camp he is in. However, I do want to mention that at minus 170, it is a pass. Um, at open, it's much more appealing at that 130, 140 range. So look for it to move back down. But at 170, that's where I'm starting to think it might be a little priced out um, because of, Dan, kind of what you said. We're not confident enough. We haven't seen it. He's 23 years old. I need to see more before I lay away. You know, I tend to agree with you. If you're listening to us and you're a guy that likes to, I don't know, throw round robins for every fight or, or you need a play, whatever. I do think that there's a potential that Brady makes this fight look easy. Yeah, I, um, I, I think there might be too, but there's just all those questions. Yeah, He's very green. Yeah. Maria Oliveira is taking on Vanessa Demolopoulos. And the line on this one is Demolopoulos minus 115, Oliveira minus 105. Um, this line opened at Oliveira minus 150, and it's come back. So with both and minus, no system to be played. Uh, one might I'm with the sharps, dog, but go with the sharps. You're on Demolopoulos. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the I'm on the line movement. Um, you know, Marie's the better striker, and I'm confident in saying long. that. Yeah, I'm she's confident very, very in saying long. that Vanessa's not so gifted up there. She's honestly just not at a UFC level when it comes to the striking, but she's very very dangerous if the fight hits the mat and. There was a second where I wasn't so sure that the fight was going to hit the mat because Vanessa's not some credentialed wrestler. She doesn't um, have dominant takedowns. But Maria gives up takedowns in every single fight that she's been in to non-wrestlers. Even strike, like even full-on strikers, she winds up on her butt. And so I do think Vanessa is spending 15 minutes trying to get this fight to the mat is going to have success at least once. And she's dangerous once she gets it there. She's She's a very dangerous submission hunter so is 105 gonna see your card Dan, or 115 probably not yeah. I, I hate playing women's it's just not what, worth what it, does the sub prop look like maybe a sprinkle there so i'm touching this fight demopolis is uh plus 370 yeah if, if i'm touching this fight i'm sprinkling there it, okay. it'll it won't be a full unit it probably won't even be three quarters of the unit probably limited in half but if i'm touching this fight that's where it's going to go yeah and demopolis has proven to be able to get that done i believe she had a six submission against uh oh yeah gomez suarez someone who got cut he's uh, got some the- really slick submissions she if the fight is on the mat for an extended period of time uh more so than woman like um tabitha ricci who had that fight in a grappling realm and is dangerous. Vanessa looks for the submissions a lot more and at a lot higher frequency than Tabitha, whatever. Mm. Well, then the sound. Yeah. So if she can implement it, then it sounds like it'll be her fight to lose, which is what you want when you're backing somebody. Um, next fight up the card is Ricky Tercios. So the, the champion 
of the Ultimate Fighter, uh, beating out Brady Highstead. And he's taken on Kevin Natividad. Now, Natividad has not had much success in the UFC. Um, he's actually 0-2, lost to Dana Bat-Gerald within 50 seconds, and then also got carried by Miles Johns, who does have absolute lead hands. Um, but he's taken on a guy in Ricky Tercios who is much more volume-based. Uh, and, and I don't necessarily look at Tercios as a guy who can take, who can turn out Natividad's lights. And that was something I definitely took note of. Natividad's plus 135 here, Dan. Ricky Tercios minus 155. Um, it opened at minus 185 and, and has actually come down. So from a guy who was favored over Zahabi and lost and got a split decision over Highstead, has a very unique style. Um, he also has lost to Mata Martina via KO, Martinez. And Boston and, Salmon. Yeah, and Boston Salmon. That's a tough scene. I mean, he's he's a guy, Ricky Tercios is a guy who has improved fight over fight greatly. Um, and has a very unique style, is very rangy, high volume. I never want to back a guy, though, in the Tibby Dot, who's 0-2 in the UFC, although Miles Johns um, is, is tough competition. So is Dana Botgerald in his own right, or Botgeri. Um I don't know, Dan. I mean, is, the, is there a play to be had here? Fight not This one's a huge play? pass for me. Yeah. Um, I see a lot of people calling this, like, an incredible matchup for Ricky Tercios or a gift from the UFC year. I, I see a lot of kind of outlandish things being said mm. about this. Tercios for me has always been a guy I've had a lot of respect for. He forces yeah. the action, high volume. Like you said, he's durable, willing to take two or take one to land two. kind of has that Mexican boxing style where he's going to be on the front foot. Also, as we learned versus Brady has some pretty great scrambling and is in his pretty game when it comes to the takedown defense. I just don't see anything that is that really sets himself apart and to lay juice against the guy in the Tivy Dodd, where I see his biggest hole, like you said, is durability. And like you said, we don't have Tercios being this huge knockout threat. I'm not trying to say it's a dog spot because it isn't. I don't, no one has ever made a profit backing Kevin the Tivy Dodd on habit. Um, but I, I don't, think i'll be playing the tercio side i agree with you there dan it's absolutely a pass what i would say though what i would go as far as saying is it's a pass that if you had to pick a side to back i think you lay the dog if you're one of those everyday batters uh every fight better but it's it's definitely a tough spot that's tough for me to say I, I tend to agree with you because I know that you know what you're talking about. I haven't seen anything from Kevin that's like, here's how we can win this fight or here here's where we want the fight to go or play out. or I just, this fight weirds me out. I don't see why either guy should ever be favored in, in the octagon. Yeah. It's a, yeah. That's an interesting one. And you'll catch on the prelim. Miles John versus Vince, Vince Morales. Miles Johns was someone who was like kind of on the fringe. I remember we talked about him getting cut. Now it was a surprise cut. Now he got added to this fight, I believe, on short notice. Um, there was yeah. another Vince Morales fight scheduled. I know it that. was. It was for against a guy named Jose Johnson. That fight didn't take form. Here comes Miles Johns, 12 and 2. I was super surprised by the cut to begin with. Um, the line here is Miles Johns minus 170, Vince Morales plus 145. 
It opened at 160. Not a lot of line movement because, frankly, the line hasn't been open that long. Um, it appears to have opened November 6th. Um, and so, well, honestly, on paper, Miles John's a guy who reminds me a lot of like a Tony Gravel, like a good wrestler boxer. But like strong hands, hard. Right, right. Explosive on the feet. Uh, not the most durable. Has shown some cardio lapses. I won't call them cardio issues. It's just kind of what happens when you are a wrestler boxer. And if you prepare for a wrestling match and have to box it, and all of a sudden you're tired. And then if you prepare for a boxing match and all of a sudden you're wrestling, you find yourself gassed in the third. And I do think that if Miles can stick around, he could, this could be a live bet spot. I think, I think that, or sorry, I said, if Miles can stick around, if Morales can stick around, I see Miles performing very well in the first round more than anything. And I think that if Morales, uh, who I do give the striking advantage, um, if he lands some leg kicks, if he slows down the explosivity of miles, I think that this could be his fight late on. Um, and it could be a good live betting spot on the Morales side. Okay. So I guess there's no pre-bet action for dank wagers, but look to it live. If Vince Morales can, get his game plan and, and tire out John John's throughout. Uh, it's really honestly, if he sticks around, I don't expect him to win round one, but I do expect miles to fade. I do expect miles calf to get kicked. And I do expect miles to be a worse version of himself in the third than the first. And so it, it it's really up in the air, but yeah, I, I tend to think that this fight's going to start one way and end a different. Last women's fight of the night, Jennifer Maya, former, third round favorite over Valentina Shevchenko on the live odds. That is true. I witnessed it. Crazy. Um, nice. And I, and I, and I played that the Valentina side. Oh yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Um, and she's taken on Marina Moroz and the line is Maya plus plus one sixty. Marina Moroz minus minus one ninety. Um, opened it at one fifty, and, and Jennifer Maya plus one thirty, one minus one fifty for Moroz. Um, so Morosa's seen the action. Um, Morosa's had good success, especially recently. at 125. I think she's a completely yeah. different fighter, very, not very having to worth, cut to 115. Very worth noting. And Bueno Silva's a phenomenal win. Agapova's a phenomenal win, especially in the way she did it. Um, Jennifer Maya's kind of lost her form a little bit, and from someone who got that title shot to Losing to Jukakian again, which would be the second time, and then Faroe. I mean, Moreau's stylistically is a different matchup than those two ladies, but I kind of agree with the line movement, Dan. I'm just not taking it. Like, I'm saying, I don't think I'm playing women's dog here, but I also not laying the Yeah, game. no, I, I, this fight weirds me out a little bit. We talk a ton on this podcast about experience, narratives, um, hype and, and and they're kind of all going in different directions maya is kind of been in the same spot for a while she's someone i've never really considered as a real title contender she earned that title shot by beating jojo calderwood when jojo didn't need to fight jojo was given a title shot took a short notice or i don't think it was short notice but took a like in between fight while the champ um was on the bench and lost her title shot all of a sudden via armbar, it's not like Maya's got this crazy great jits. She's a shoot-a-box fighter. 
she's going to press forward. She's going to be on her front foot. Um, but I don't think, I don't think of her as a truly elite striker. Um, it, it's kind of the situation that I think we've seen the, the ceiling. And, she's kind of a master of none. I mean, right. she doesn't do anything exceptional, but she also doesn't do anything horrible. I mean, she's mm-hmm. on the mat. You're not like, oh, I'm fucked. Um, but she also, you're never like, when you back my, you're not sitting there just like feeling great. You know, it's, it's, it's the master of none. Um, and then on the other side, we're coming off of, to me, what looked like um, Rose's best performance of her career. And it's tough to back someone coming off the best performance of their career. You know that line's inflated, especially with women. You know that Marina as a fighter has never been consistent. I, I did mention that she's looked a lot better at 125, not having to cut to 115 has been great for us. And, and that's, that. that's very important to know. I, I don't, you're going to stand by that. Yeah. I just don't think that I, I don't think that we can set this level of expectation as, all right, we're like, I'm comfortable backing this amount of favorite as, or I'm, I'm comfortable backing Marina Moroz as this level of favorite. It's just, so I'm any, not there yet. Any play here or just, I've got none. No, there's a big pass. I even am trying to say maybe to Kobe, don't track it for the woman's dog. This this one to me is like, I wish this fight didn't exist. Maybe I'll learn from it for next time for these fighters. But I think that the line's out of whack. And I don't think that there's a way to exploit the line being out of whack, which is a weird conundrum. Yeah, that's a weird yeah. spot to be. Zalga Zumagulov. Taking on Charles Johnson. We actually did this one for set the spread, but it will be the last prelim of the evening. Or we did it because of a runoff. So if you haven't seen that episode, definitely worth going back. Dan, I I think this is gonna be my first official play of the card. And that is I'm I'm tracked for 1.6 as of uh okay. our, our ankle lock. So we're on the same side. We're on the same side. We're on Charles Johnson. Yeah. Me too. He, he's just a dog. And he's a guy who, although he only has one fight in the UFC and it's obviously, it didn't go his way. Um, it was a one-sided 15 minutes not going his against way. Against But he has a phenomenal resume against, um, in the LFA, including fights like Brandon Rival, even though he lost. Um, Carlos Moda, who's in the UFC, Horiguchi. So he's not it's, it's not like he doesn't belong in the UFC. He very much does. He has a boxing foundation. He has an amateur career. I mean, he's he, great working behind that jab with his boxing. And so Danny brought up a good point on set the spread that there, there's going to be a small tax ish, if you will, on Zuma Gulov just because of the region and the name and the, in the, he has fought the who's who of the division split decision against Jeff Molina. But I, I think Charles Johnson's wrestling well, actually, is what's going to be the difference. I think he's going to – Really, is anti-wrestling. Is See, I think he's going to push the pace and gas Zumagulov. And I know it's hard to predict a gas at 25, but his – Also, pace, the way that Zalgas fights. He, he's kind of always been the guy that's on the front foot, on the, yeah. on the upper end of the pace. He, he, I don't want to take anything away from Zalgas. He's really talented, really he well-rounded. Talented. Yeah. He, he winds up in a lot of close fights, too. You even look oh. at the Jeff Molina fight, and yeah. as they're announcing the store, scorecards, Jeff Molina, like, walked away thinking he had already lost, and then was like, wait, shit, I won this? Like, oh, fuck. Um, but I do think it's going to be a similar situation to that, where Zalgus needs to grapple to get it off, 
and he's going to get hit by a much, much bigger Charles Johnson. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've looked at the tail of the tape yet. Uh, oh, I have. Charles Johnson's 5'9 to a 5'4 Zalgus, who is really going to need to get on the inside. And we mentioned earlier a boxing style and Charles Johnson, he's really good at working behind his jab. It's going to be tough to close the distance against him if you're looking for takedowns. Yeah. And I kind of think, what the fuck? I kind of think Charles Johnson. Uh, I just did something on Zoom, my bad. I, I, I uh, kind of think Charles Johnson's going to be able to give us great value on that 165. And I, I do expect a lot of clinch work too, Dan. So I'm glad we line up. I also am going to have to win one unit on this. So if you want to ride with the ankle pick boys, to win one unit on Charles Johnson seems to be the consensus play. It's also the, just the general idea that Salgas is going to look for takedowns. And if we learned anything watching the Mokaya fight, Charles is hard to take down and even harder to keep down. He pops up. He's just the, the top pressure from Zalgus has never been there. And Charles Johnson is a great anti-wrestler. Yeah. I mean, I think from the taping perspective and a research perspective, Charles Johnson's first fight against Mikhaev told me everything I needed to tell. A lot of times when I tape, there's still questions. And I'm like, man, I just didn't get enough answers from this. I don't. But it's also just you and I have seen him strike and seen him fight in LFA for a while. Yeah, I, I think there I would, be more, there would be more questions if yeah. I think a I've lot of our so many of his LFA fights, and I was thinking about that the other day. It's like, why? Why have I seen all this? <laughs> I just think that a lot of our listeners have only watched that Mokaya fight, where he really only showed that he couldn't break the grip, couldn't get away from a guy who's a tough, consistent wrestler. But we're gonna see a lot more of the tools that Charles has in his arsenal on Saturday. Kobe, try not to show too much excitement. Jack Della Maddalena is taking on Danny Roberts and Della Maddalena is going to be tough to ride at a whopping minus 580. Lined open at 335 and just took off and has still been running. I mean, we had another 100 points of movement from the 14th until the 17th. That, I, I mean, placed him at 450 with did you? Yeah, there you go. Charles Johnson. Still running. So, Della Maddalena, massive favorite here against uh, Danny Roberts. To me, Della Maddalena is going to win. He's going to probably do it in dominant fashion. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a knockout. However, can't play that at minus 250. Can't play the price. And, and, and I do want to mention, too, that the mathematical right play here is Danny Roberts because I think if you ran a sim and you fought this fight a thousand times, you're getting value on Danny Roberts if if Delmedalina is minus six hundred. But you can also in that same strategy donate your money to charity or buy a bottle of Malort and really just get <laughs> a lot more for your money. And so there two four, it's a layoff. Um, but good 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 way to way to beat the line movement there. Country Club, he learned so much so fast. But look for even more of a coming out party for Della Maddalena. I mean, is there anything worth adding, Dan? Any props or? Yeah, no, this, this is a big pass for me. At, at the price, JDM should walk through him. Um, a lot of compliments for JDM. Muslim Soliakov. Come on. Come on. You've been around this sport for too long. Dan, I said the names a million times on Set the Spread. It, it, was, a, it was a tongue issue, not a pronunciation issue. Muslim Soliakov against Andre Fialo and the line here. It, honestly, I can't tell this is a bit. Yeah, Muslim is the King of Kung Fu Salikov. No, Muslim Soliakov 
It first. is a bit. Okay, I you, we got got. It's COVID. not a we bit. Fully got got. It's not a bit. It's not I, a bit. It go, go check set the spread, people, and you tell me if it's a bit or not. <laughs> Muslim Salikov against Andre Fialo. The line here is Kung Fu Monkey minus one fifteen. No, that's Song Yudong. Kung Fu Warrior. Okay. What what is your problem with Muslim? The hard mountain dude. Am I uncovering? Am no. I uncovering some like no. like entrenched Reese hatred towards no. Muslim no, no, no. It's honestly the hard mountain dudes acting up. All right, it's time to get real. Okay, Muslim Salikov is taking on Andre Fialo at 170. The line is Muslim Salikov minus 115, Andre Fialo minus 105. The line opened at Salikov minus 180 and has gotten smashed to even. If you checked out set the spread, somebody kind of predicted the line movement going in Fialo's way because of, of the hype train that Fialo is with the vicious knockouts that you've seen from him in the UFC. Um, but we also mentioned, Dan, that, that Salikov, a Kung Fu background, very, very weathered, weathered might not be the right word, tenured um, in the sport. This is an interesting one. And at even, it's very interesting. And there's another level of interesting is I'm pulling up my history on my Bet MMA tips page. Salikov's a guy I've got keyed down, similar to Dan Hooker. I was multiple units on him against Isidro Santos, multiple units on him against Ronaldo, and we ankle locked Leach against him. Wow. That's we're three just, and zero, oh, baby. For those I mean, we're counting just, at home, we're just like that. So. So, Dan, I mean, we have an opportunity to see the Oracle of Omaha, but it's just the Oracle of MMA. Dan, what do you, what do you think here? I mean, it's Demon even. Salikov. I really am. And I'm not confident saying that. Both guys coming off really bad knockout losses. Um, Fialo had a quote today saying that he didn't train for Jake Matthews. I don't know how realistic or truthful that is, saying that he Hardly sparred, expected a grappling match, um, and was completely caught off guard. I'm not really putting a lot of no. weight. I mean, Ryan's fan apparently has never trained ever. Yeah. Um, Muslim's a guy I've backed a lot in the past, uh, especially against guys like Isidro Santos and Trinaldo, and even like a Laureano Staropoli, guys that kind of tailor-made for the better technical striker to just beat on, to the faster striker, um, a guy with a lot of spinning attacks. Uh, a guy who's crazy accurate. I will say, like you mentioned, you brought up his age. Uh, questions about durability are valid, and, and that's kind of what I what's keeping me from placing this at this point. But I do think that, again, like you said, there's this steam on Fiala that might not be deserved. Um, he like he's a guy that likes to come forward, press the action. Um, at times, he's felt like he's just looking for a KO or bust. Like, even Baeza was just piecing him apart until he turned the table. Um, I do think that Salikov is going to be the better technical striker, is going to land the more significant shots as long as he can stay away from the blitzes that Fiala is going to bring. And kind of similar to the Negumarianu-Olberg fight, I think he's just going to get picked off as he blitz. And the more the money comes in on Fiala, the more I want to back him. I will not place him until... Saturday morning. This will be a last minute thing. 
just because of the way the line's moving. But I do think I'll be on Salikov for a small play uh, come Saturday morning. I wish I could say I disagree, Dan. I'm I'm right there with you. I really am. I think that you're at a spot here where the public and even a lot of the sharps are on the shiny trophy that is Fialo, but the the 38 year old technical war proven veteran isn't getting the love. And you look at the leash fight. That's a fight that. Salikov was looking like absolutely on point, um, sharp as they come. I thought that we had a loser. And there's a huge difference between a guy like Leach and a guy like Fialo. When was the last time we saw Fialo get hurt and turn into like another gear and like and really turn up the pace? Because that's something that Leach has always done. Yeah. And, and I don't expect it from Andre. No. And, and when you look at just a pure, not to beat a dead horse on this fight, but just purely taping, looking at just the technical striking, um, Salikov is miles ahead. It was honestly very apparent when you watch. So something to keep noted. Okay. The, the guy- last thing I'll say, sorry, I, I don't want to stick on it, but no, similarly to the main event last week, if Andre knocks him out, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, lucky, surprise, this or that. Right. That's, that's on the table. That's why I'm saying it's a small play. But technically, Muslims should be able to pick him off for 15 minutes. Don't do the guy who's a zombie. I know it's not Halloween. We're looking to Thanksgiving, but this dude just, just, I, he, he just still is here. Uh, Chase Sherman, 16 and 10 taking on Waldo Cortez Acosta. So Waldo Cortez Acosta probably sounds familiar. He just fought a couple weeks back against um, Jared Vandera. And Vandera's in a similar vein to Chase Sherman, where they just kind of lingered. No one really knew why they were rostered. Heavyweight needed bodies. Uh, Chase Sherman did the UFC a favor. They're doing him a favor now by kind of keeping him around. Uh, Waldo Cortez Acosta is minus 215. Chase Sherman plus 185. Um, It actually only opened at minus 160, Dan, and has come up a lot since. This is really weird for me because. Waldo Cortez Acosta didn't give me what I wanted uh, in that fight against um, Vandera. I thought it was going to be a quick finish. I was unimpressed because I wanted to ankle lock him and I laid him and I was unimpressed. He did get the job done. Chase Sherman, on the other hand, is bigger than Vandera, like as far as just size and, and strength goes. But Chase Sherman, man, is just not it. And he really shouldn't be here. He's more of a uh, a brawler. Um, he fought in bare-knuckle boxing for a while. He's just a brawler. Um, yeah, no one in the world has ever gotten rich backing Chase Sherman. And so I guess my take on this fight, Dan, is I would much rather play under 2.5 minus 215 than Costa Ortez. Uh, or Cortez Acosta minus 215. I think I agree with you. Yeah. The biggest thing that I think you haven't mentioned yet is with the quick turnaround, uh, it wasn't that it was one-sided for 15 minutes, even even with that. Bandera had a lot of success with those calf kicks. I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised if he's still hurting. 
from those kicks. It's only been 20 days. I'll bet he's still icing those knees or those shins, the calves, whatever. Um, and Sherman's a guy who's had success with the kicks. Waldo being a boxer is a guy that's going to be heavy on that lead leg, not so mobile. He's susceptible to, to kicks. I don't, I will not be backing Chase Sherman. No sharp right. better has ever gotten rich backing Chase Sherman. But I expect him to outperform the numbers similarly, similarly to Jared uh, behind the success of those calf kicks. And I'm in the exact same camp. I think the under two and a half, maybe. Um, and I, I think that if I had, this is what's scary, Dan. Gone to my head, if I had to pick a play for the best value, I actually think I am on the side of Sherman. That's how yeah, No, I, I completely agree yeah, with you. That's how and disappointed I was. The reason is, and we talk about this with Brady Highstand. We talk about this with um, Chase Hooper, all these, whatever, young green fighters. The version of them fight to fight could be completely different. We're talking about 20 days. We've got the exact same version of Waldo Acosta that was in the Octagon 20 days ago. You can't even, like, teach a leg check and read it appropriately in 20 days. It's just like not possible. We're getting no, that's the right. exact same right, version. Right, 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 right. And so no Sherman, steps forward. if Chase Sherman isn't addicted to losing, he will implement the, the calf kick if he has it in his arsenal. And, and oh. there won't be anything that Waldo can do about it. Right. Co-main event, which is one of the most question marks for me in predictability Ian Kutalaba against Kennedy in, in Chukwu. And Kennedy and Chukwu is minus 175. Ian Kutalaba plus 150. Lined opened at 110 each way. That was very surprising to me. Um, but Kennedy's never gotten a ton of love by Vegas. He only opened at minus 125 against Carl Roberson, uh, 125 against Nega Marianu, 115 against uh, Danilo. Uh, but I'm, I'm kind of right there with you, and I'll even say that I'm having the same feelings about the main event, too. Uh, I, I think that between Kudalaba and Derek Lewis, they're two of the hardest guys to bet on and two of the hardest guys to bet against in mm -hmm. the sport. Um, both of them are as dangerous and as powerful and as aggressive as they come. Both of them can lose in a second yep. and win in a second there and won't put themselves in a really great position to win at. They're not game planners. They are fighters. They're fighters, fighters to, to really say it. And it's, I hesitate to say it, but as a better, I'm not looking for a fighter's fighter. The, the guys like Justin Gaethje aren't my favorite guys. It, it's, it's the, yeah, it's a better, the back. Yeah. Right. Right. I, I, I'm a much bigger fan of an Israel Adesanya than an Justin Gaethje. I'll take the defense. I'll take the boring. I'll take right. the whatever because it's a win. It's cash in my pocket. Um, and so I, I agree with you. This is a really just tough one to bet. I think Kennedy being long and rangy, um, having his really being a, a archetype of a fighter that Iwan has never had success against. Um, makes me not want to bet on Ewan. And then something I said again earlier for Marina Moroz, it's tough to bet on Kennedy coming off of his career best performance, never proving that that's a, like not a fluke against Roberson. I thought, I thought he looked phenomenal. No, he did. And but am I, I ready to say that that's Kennedy? 
But I also think he looked phenomenal against Nega Mariani and a series of, of dumb penalties, which he can't, which he hasn't proven he's, he isn't one of those guys who just blatantly fouls a guitar. Um, he looked great on that fight too. I mean, so much so where he lost two points and it still was a split decision. I mean, that's what we're talking about as far as domination goes. So I, I kind of almost think that, that I want to back Kennedy, but the question marks around what Kutalaba is going to bring to the table makes it too hard to pay the favorite price. Yeah, I I don't want to group these co-main and main together too much, but I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah, I think that for me, they're both dog or pass because of all the question marks around so, the lines, around the fighters, and and I will break down Speedback Lewis more when we transition. But um, well, I actually was about to for me. I think yeah. Last thing, I think that for me, a year ago, both these lines are flipped. And I don't think that, like, we've learned something crazy about either fighter in the year. We're talking about variants. We're talking about MMA results, fistfight, knockout results. I think a year ago, both these lines are flipped. The guys yeah. that are dogs are the same level of dogs as favors as favorites. And so for that reason, I have to be dog or passable. So uh, the reason why I'm going to use – so I don't have any play in the co-main event. Um, but I actually do – Maybe I don't. I don't know if I'm going to play it. The line's a little steep. Do you like the Spivak side? I, I really do. I just don't want to pay the price, obviously. Um, but And there's not enough on this card to parlay. But Derek Lewis against Sergey Spivak is the main event. And I, I look at this as a significantly more well-rounded and technical fighter versus a guy who has size and power. And you've seen these happen throughout the history of the sport. And I would say more often than not, it goes in the side of the technical fighter. However, there's the Curtis Blades of the world where he's dominating and it only takes one. And so it's kind of funny is the most recent Curtis Blades fight where he dominates the first round completely on the feet. And then it's when he goes into his realm, when he tries to make this a wrestling match, that's when he gets caught. It's, what, a, what a wild set of circumstances. I know. Really is. And Derek Lewis has been doing that throughout his entire career. Yeah. But that's also why I want to back Spivak even more. Because if you if you take all those out, which obviously that's not fair to do. It's a fight. He's made his career out of winning yes. fights he was losing. Yes. 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 And so if Spivak can learn from that, it should be an easy coast. Um, I think a submission is in play. I really do. Um, I also have seen Derek Lewis quit before. And so that's kind of the other thing too, where Sergey Spivak drags him out. The black beast is a big enough draw. He's entertaining enough where he's not going anywhere. They're not going to cut. Also, I think that the position that the black beast has been in, in terms of being on pay-per-views, but not being a main event, never having to go 25 minutes could come into play. If like what you're saying, this fight drags out, we could see a Derek Lewis that doesn't want to fight the last 10 minutes. Exactly. And that's and and, and, and that's something that I'm kind of factoring in too. Uh, you know what? You're right. Speedback has a wrestling advantage, speedback has a cardio advantage, speedback is the more complete Age fighter. He has um, a, a a drive advantage. I mean, speedback is still grinding to get to that title. 
Derek the Lewis. reason for me it's Dogger Pass has everything to do with who Derek Lewis is. He's powerful and dangerous at every moment in the fight. It doesn't matter how the first whatever 20 minutes is gone. He's got the, the potential to really throw one punch and turn out the lights. He has the UFC KO record for a reason. I'm not talking heavyweight record. All UFC KOs. So and, and, why? And I'll repeat it. The last thing is he just he seems to miraculously win fights that he's losing. Yeah, and at no point I've I'll be comfortable if career. I back Spivak. And I'm no, not talking. I'm not I trying agree. to talk anyone into a Lewis play. No, I just won't I know feel comfortable at any point in this fight and, and as a Spivak better. Ultimately, I do think you pass on the main event because of what you just said. You can be winning the whole fight and it still won't matter. However, what Spivak has more paths to victory. He's a cleaner path to victory. What's, what's just don't get caught. Don't gas. What's the difference between this fight, Derek Lewis? And the Greg Hardy and Sakai fight. Augusto Sakai and Greg Hardy. Because they stylistically are very similar to Derek Lewis. Greg Hardy is the is so okay. There's not a short answer for that. But what I'll say is accuracy. Hold on. Derek Lewis has had a uncanny ability to deliver absolute fight ending shots. Hold on. Let me add strikers like Augusto and Greg have. Let me add something quick, and I want to hear your actual reasoning. When Derek Lewis fought Alexi Olenek, Alexi Olenek got him into a lot of compromising positions, but Derek Lewis was just too damn big. That's literally all it was. Derek Lewis was too big that he couldn't do anything. Greg Hardy is a similar frame and size. He didn't have a problem with him. Then, Augusto Sakai, as far as technical striking goes, is very similar to Derek Lewis. Not so great on the ground, much better on the feet. He definitely doesn't have the same amount of power, but it's stylistically, I mean, if you morphed Augusto Sakai's technical and Greg Hardy's body into one, you have Derek Lewis. I think that, like I said, there's no simple answer for that question, but when you're standing across eye to eye with a guy like Derek Lewis, there's a different level of intimidation, safety, whatever. It, he's incomparable except for Francis in terms of the scary factor. And I think that that's a real thing. I know that that sounds silly. We're talking about heavyweight professional fighters, but it's it's been real for Derek's whole career. There's a thing where elite strikers like Curtis Blades, elite mixed martial artists cannot stand there for 20 minutes. What do, you think about, what do you think about over one and a half? I I don't know the number. It's I minus tend, one pen each way. That's tough. I would love a plus number on that. I tend to be a big fan of overs and heavyweight fights just because yeah. of the, that's the kind of better that I am. I love the idea that the public's pushing numbers. I like the idea that everyone wants a knockout that heavyweights are big, that they hit hard, that there's whatever. But you know what? It's a fight, and these guys are are defensively sound. So, and I love overs. This probably won't be one where that all this, I could see this one going similar to the Dowkus. Through all I this. I don't have Spivak on that top shelf of elite fighters. I don't hold him in the same conversation as Augusto Sakai. He's more of a Greg Hardy for me. And maybe I'm wrong there, but I, but I won't be all bad, this, so I won't eat my money. It sounds like it's a double pass. So... Quickly, before we end the programming, because this one definitely ran long. I know Country Club. Don't roll your eyes. Danny, plays, official, hit me, run it through the card, quick. Boom, boom, boom. What's official? So 
the only thing I have officially placed right now is um, a small play on Charles Johnson. Okay. I will end up on Muslim Salikov and most okay. likely Brady High Stand, I think. Okay. But all, all, all in all, smaller than I think yeah. any play that I had last week. This is a, a different card for me. Um, I think that I said it a lot with the last two fights. But there are a lot of really, really up in the air fights with a lot of questions that are needing to be answered that I don't know the answer to yet. And so I won't be putting my money behind them. Okay. And yeah, for me, it's just Charles Johnson, um, Muslim Salikov, believe it or not. Um, and then Chase Sherman and Kevin Natividad interest me. But again, no one's made money or gotten rich backing guys who consistently Either of those guys yeah. yeah um so that that's going to be a game time decision spivak as well if i can convince myself to find a parlay piece i would like to add him somewhere this really um, this really is probably this is going to be a card where we get creative with our ankle lock probably on a uh, prop yeah. on an over under not charles um, johnson it could be charles johnson but it, think- it's tough to ankle lock a guy who has zero ufc wins against a guy who could be what three and oh I mean he had Manel Cape on skates he could have beaten Jeff Molina the Amir Abazi fight went into the third round and was it's, a point no, I'm, I'm with it's, you he's only fought good fighters and he's performed well it's tough it's gonna be hard um so just stay tuned for the Bellator coverage uh stay tuned for the ankle lock you can always find both Danny and my plays at BetMMA Tips. Um, Kobe, any other house cleaning? Or are we good to go? No UFC card next weekend. We've got a week off before UFC Orlando, but I'm sure we'll have something. We've got some recap. I've got something to tease. Um, real quick, I know obviously this one's been super long, but Reese didn't mention that next week we are going to have uh, via Zoom – unprecedented access to the PFL championship fighters. I'm talking Kayla Harrison, Larissa Pacheco, Brendan Loughnane, Bubba Jenkins, Stevie Ray, OAM, Delano Taylor, Sabibu Sai, Omari Akhmedov, Rob Wilkinson, Ante D'Elia, and Matus Scheffel. Absolutely everyone that's fighting on that PFL championship card. So look out for that content too as well. It'll be on YouTube. Um, we're making some fucking money moves here. There you go. So... I mean, it, it just sounds like all, all around wins, even in the off week. Enjoy the off week. Enjoy this extra long episode. Um, Dan, you have a belly full of Malort. Hit us with the poha. Let's, let's, let's get a good night's sleep tonight. Poha. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.